0: Hey guys, Wes here to talk to you about Dancing with the Knoxville Stars. Why am I talking to you about Dancing with the Knoxville Stars? Because apparently, guys, check this out. I'm a star. Congratulations me. How about them apples? I will be taking part in this year's event Saturday, April 14th at the Knoxville Convention Center. They're in beautiful downtown Knoxville. Dinner and doors open at 6 p.m. with the show starting at 7 p.m. And what is Dancing with the Knoxville Stars? Well, it's basically like the uh, the hit show, but it's just our little local version of it. And not just so little, guys. Since 2007, this has generated $735,000 in donations to the hospital, hoping to get over the $1 million mark this season. Obviously, them feeling like they adding, added me to the mix. That, that probably helps the chances of getting over a $1 million because people want to see me dance. I've never done this in my life. I'm actually quite terrified of this, but there will be eight of us there. I will be there. Leslie Ackerson from WBR will be there. Tyrone from Star 102.1 will be there. Also, Heather Haley from WVLT. Laura Helm from WATE. Former professional cheerleader, Lisa Henderson. Local sports reporter and PR professional Sarah Mitchell will be there. Dr. Amit Patel also will be there. And then finally, local art patron and philanthropist, the lovely Sylvia Peters will also be there. So there will be eight of us. We will be competing uh, for dancing prowess, dancing supremacy. I'm probably going to embarrass myself, but here's what you can do, guys. If you want to come see this, here's how you do it. Go to www.etch.com slash Again, that's www.etch.com slash dwtks. And you can go there and buy your tickets for $75 or you can buy a VIP table, which gets you four seats and complimentary champagne. Dinner will be provided for each ticket, so you don't have to worry about that. Guys, come out and have a good time with us. We're going to have a good time with this. We're going to... Uh, hopefully entertain you, hopefully we'll have a good time, and if nothing else, we will be helping charity. So again, Dancing with the Knoxville Stars, www.etch.com dwtks. We talked about, touch on a little bit, but just
1: being picked 13 when the to start season, how much more special does that make it to uh, end up wanting to share the title it's, it's just fun. It's, al- it's always good to have the last laugh. It's always, it's always fun to have the last laugh. But, you know, me and Grant knew when we were going to SEC media day that, you know, those guys had no clue what, what we've done in the off season, how much work we put in. So, you know, we had to sit there and, and listen to it. it. It was very hard, very hard to sit there and listen to someone say that we're going to finish last, second to last in the league when we've put in so much work. And we know that all we got to do is go out and compete and play hard every night and, you know, everything else will take care of, take care of itself. But it's also special because of, the bond that we built through the work ethic that we put in, and it's, it's just—I mean—it's it's hard to explain. Um, it's just an amazing feeling. We haven't won the SEC title since 2008, which is big, and you know we have another goal. We got to go and take care of business in the tournament. All right. You can do it. What did
0: say? That's what she said. Hey, I love you. What? Nothing. Second Get down. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, another Rucker and Ramey road trip time, March Madness time, postseason basketball time, sort of just repeated myself time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the balls twenty four seven podcast. Dancing professional Wes Rucker and Grant Ramey here, coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio on a Thursday afternoon, a chilly Thursday afternoon in the eight six five. Before we go on out to the uh, we, we will record this podcast then we will exit Fort Rucker Studio and we will uh, get on the interstate for an extended period of time and we will go to St. Louis, Missouri because that's where the SEC in its infinite wisdom has decided to put this year's SEC basketball tournament. Thanks, Mizzou. Thanks, couldn't, couldn't have been
1: Tampa. Couldn't have been New Orleans. So many options. Couldn't have just been Nashville.
0: So many options. Hey, why don't we go to the Midwest? That's a great idea. And I get it. This was St. Louis's or Mizzou's present for coming to the SEC. And the next three years will be in Nashville. And coming go, to
1: the SEC present enough to get, could you, get your $40 million a year from the TV? You would think. So they're going to go.
0: This SEC tournament will be in St. Louis. The next three will be in Nashville. And then it will be in Tampa, I believe, in 2022. So this year, it is in St. Louis, and this year, guys, Tennessee, wait for it, wait for it, SEC champion Tennessee. The Vols rallied over the final couple weeks, got a couple of big wins, a couple of big performances from Admiral Schofield along the way, and lo and behold, Tennessee has shared the SEC title with Auburn. Tennessee will be the number two seed in this tournament. Auburn will be the one seed, but since they don't play, I know it. it you look at it common sense, commonsensically, if that's a phrase, Grant, and you say, "Well, Auburn and Tennessee are both one C, or, or both have the same record. Auburn beat Tennessee at Tennessee, so Auburn's the SEC champion, right?" Well, they don't play the same schedule, so when you don't play, kind of a everybody plays everybody twice. Round robin,
1: yeah. Rick Barnes is a round robin.
0: When you don't play the the Rick the Rick Barnes requested round robin, what you get like is the Big Twelve did. Yeah, does. When you do, when you don't do that, any team that ties atop the, the standings is technically a champion because you can't determine who played a tougher schedule, yada yada yada, all these other factors. So Tennessee is uh, an SEC champion, the first one in a decade. Grant, big big news for the program, and no matter what happens from from this point forward, that's a that's a big thing for this team.
1: Yeah, still uh, what five six days later, it still sounds crazy to think that happened, uh, not only the way it happened, uh, needing some help from Auburn down the stretch, winning four games to close regular season, uh, having to score the last nine points of that game uh, to beat Georgia, a team that uh, played on Wednesday night of the SEC tournament the first night as one of the bottom four teams, and probably the team that gave Tennessee more trouble than anyone uh, if you subtract the, the egg that was laid at Alabama
0: yeah that was uh, and I'll tell you when you when you got a a Georgia team, that Georgia team playing on the first day of the SEC tournament, that tells you what kind of what kind of difference the the league has been. I mean, I, I think that maybe uh, the whole SEC is really good conversation or or is elite conversation might have peaked a couple of weeks ago uh, when a couple of teams that kind of needed to finish strong didn't really finish strong. and uh, so I think it's still been a really good league one of the better leagues in the country but it's probably not been a banner month or so uh, coming down the stretch for the league but uh, the fact is uh, it was a really tough league uh, throughout the course of the season and Tennessee finishing second in that league uh, is just going 9 and 1 against the ten, against the five teams they played twice and that Georgia team for whatever reason whenever Mark Fox coaches against Rick Barnes he turns into Norman Dale and just has every answer and for Tennessee in that game, which was a very, very poorly officiated game in my opinion, uh, for Tennessee to overcome so much foul trouble, to overcome just Georgia making its full allotment of three-pointers for a game in the first half, making seven of its first 11 threes, uh, Tennessee and its fan base, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to credit the fans in the stands uh, because that was as loud as I've ever heard that building. Uh, it was a, a wonderful sight. It was a real – college basketball environment it was great to be a part of proper cauldron proper cauldron of the of thompson bowling arena assembly center and arena aka the tommy bowl it was a a really really fun environment to be a part of and and for that tennessee team i think it was so symbolic that that tennessee team won the way that it won it it wasn't pretty It, it was kind of a kind of a gauntlet to be honest with you but Tennessee got through that gauntlet, found a way, even without Grant Williams on the floor for the final three-and-a-half minutes or whatever it was, uh, to come from behind in that situation, to hit the big shots. Lamonte Turner, doesn't matter what kind of day he's having. Down the stretch, big three-pointer, everybody feels like it's going in when it leaves his hands. Uh, Admiral Schofield making huge plays. Kyle Alexander, who, who really had not played very well the past three weeks, if we're all being honest with ourselves, comes up with a huge deal, one of them may, 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 maybe the play of the game. Uh, late in the game and then Schofield hits that turnaround jumper just just big big time basketball from them down the stretch in, in that fantastic atmosphere and kind of a fitting way for this team this kind of blue collar team to win a title I think
1: yeah it, it's it's more than fitting it i mean it was that it was their regular season you know in a nutshell compressed into 40 minutes i mean we've sat here on this podcast since november picking apart the the flaws of this Tennessee team, and they are a flawed basketball team. They have yes, they are. They have inconsistent guard play, night in, night out. They they struggle on the boards sometimes. uh They have slow starts, or they have slow finishes, or they'll give up a lead late, or they'll they'll dig too big of a hole early. Uh, but they but aside from all that, ignoring all that, they consistently find ways to win basketball games. They didn't go on a big run uh in the season and, and compile a bunch of wins. They went ten and two in non conference. They they won 13 out of their last 16 on schedule after that 0-2 start in the SEC. And, and what they did in the final three-and-a-half minutes against Georgia is it, it's just what this Tennessee basketball team has shown they can do. They find ways to win games. I mean, Grant Williams fouls out laying on his belly because Derek Obede falls over him, and you get your legs tangled, they got to call a foul on somebody, and they call it on Grant, and that's it. There's three-and-a-half minutes left. Uh, Yontay Mayton hits that three from the top of the key with, like, 250 left to put him up four. Uh, and I started writing my Tennessee loss story. And basically any time that happens, Tennessee rallies. Lamonte Turner came down, hit a three, uh, and that Kyle Alexander steal you're talking about, that's that's poking the ball away from Yonte Maiten on an entry pass, where if he catches it and he starts moving, he's a lot like Grant Williams, where if, where if he gets his momentum downhill and, and he can start turning over one shoulder or the other, uh, he's probably going to score because he's, he's a really skilled big man. But they stop it. And then Admiral comes down and hits, uh, not only hits a shot, but it's that turnaround fade that he's made a lot this season that he works a, a ton apparently in practice and just that whole night. And, and it's cliche to say fans help you win a game and home court advantage. Uh, st- seriously, Tennessee doesn't win that game if 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 there's twelve thousand in the arena and it's dead. It was twenty two thousand. It was over capacity and it was loud. And they just they don't they don't find that rally. I don't think that's not to discredit the Tennessee basketball team or, or disrespect their accomplishment, but I, I just don't think they do it without that crowd.
0: Yeah. And uh, I'll be honest. I, I've, I'm starting to become uh, an old man here. Uh, I've been covering the team since 2000 uh, for all, but two of those years. And so I've been there for a lot of big moments. I've been there for McBee's three pointer to beat Kansas. I've been there for Lofton's shot to beat Durant uh, in Texas. I've been there for wins over Kentucky. Uh, when Dame, when Dame Bradshaw had the steal at the end of the game, the layup, and they, they beat Florida in there. Uh, that, actually, that was down in the Odom, the Odeum that game happened. But when they beat Florida late in that game in Thompson Bowling, I've been there for a lot of big, big moments. And when Admiral Schofield dunked that ball in transition on that kind of heads-up steal – that was the loudest I have ever heard that building. And that second half in that game was the most consistently loud I've ever heard that building for a half. And and, and what really impressed me was Tennessee fans over the years have kind of gotten this reputation as kind of a glass jaw fan base. And uh, before you get upset at me about that, what I'm, what I'm saying here is I think Tennessee fans, it's not their fault. I think they've been – I'm going, good will hunting here. It's not your fault, Will. It's not your fault. But they've kind of been beaten down by a lot of things. Uh, they've kind of become a Murphy's Law situation in a lot of sports over the past few years. And, and that that tends to have an effect on you. And that Tennessee fan base, more so for football but occasionally in basketball, has become known as one that it's so loud to start the game, but once you hit it right in the mouth, it just doesn't quite get the same. You know, kind of the blue hair start going for the exits. You know, people starting to beat traffic. People get quiet, sit down. Every single time that a break went against that team in that game, it only pissed off that crowd more and more and more. And that crowd did not leave. It did not quit. Uh, even when Grant Williams fouls out, down three and a half minutes, left. Down three and a half minutes down multiple possessions, Grant Williams fouls out. They just kept getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And they just kind of willed that. It's, it's like they sensed, like sharks with blood in the water and they could tell there was an SEC championship on the line and they weren't getting the breaks on the court. So they by God, they were going to create the breaks themselves. And I had to tip my, my cap to them because that was uh, what a fan base should do in that situation it was what big boy big time big boy big girl adult fan bases do they make a difference like that and they help their team win
1: And yeah, and that's what rick said monday during his press conference was it was as loud as any uh, electric energetic whatever word he used he's, as, and he's been in the fog a lot yeah as any arena uh, he's been in and he also said the last 12 minutes felt like it had the intensity of the final two minutes that, that's just kind of how that game played out and Yeah, there's there's a lot of air to be taken out of the arena when Georgia just kept hitting those threes in the first half and and just kind of playing out of its mind. But Tennessee gives up 42 points in the first half and they give up 19 in the second half and and they find a way to to end the game on a 9-0 run and and win it and and the rest is history.
0: And before we start talking about this SEC tournament a little bit, here's a stat that just – I love basketball stats and here's one that just blows my mind. This Tennessee team – in SEC play only, only SEC play, was in the bottom half in two-point field goal percentage offense and in the bottom half in two-point field goal percentage defense. And Tennessee won the league. I, I, I don't know how many times you'll see that stat, but that to me is insane. And, and, and on top of that, they finished the season – 7th nationally in defensive efficiency. Despite in 18 SEC games, they their opponents shot better from 2-point range than they did. Their opponents shot better from 2-point range, which is a, a majority of shots taken, they were better or their opponents shot better than them. They were in the bottom half in both of those categories. And they go thirteen and five and win the league and their seventh nationally in defensive efficiency, which tells me a couple things. One, this team is comp- really, really tough, which we know, and uh, we also know that that means this team is really good offensively and defensively from from the perimeter. And this team gets points at the free throw line.
1: Yeah, that's it. You you get to the free throw line a lot. You drive and draw contact. They've shot three, uh, shot the three ball. I think like nobody really expected. They've had yep. a couple. Uh, dry stretches where where it dried up a little bit on them but you look at what Bowden did in the non-conference you look at what Admiral's done uh, basically all season from the three-point line if you can be effective enough from the three-point line uh, it it changes a lot of things even if if, even if it is a uh, your opposition consistently be be, being better uh, percentage-wise on two-point shots I mean look at the Warriors the Golden State Warriors and how the game's changing and the, the Houston Rockets and I mean, if you can shoot the three ball, if you can do it consistently, if, if that's something you're, you're going to get night in and night out that you know, uh, it, it changes some things. And uh, this team's played good enough defense, and, you, and you're right, they're tough enough. They, they're good enough to, to find ways to win, uh, or they were through the, the entire regular season. Now it's about uh, doing that night in and night out in the postseason, even if those stats don't really bode well uh, for, for postseason teams, as that, that story you're talking about was alluding to.
0: And we should mention, uh, usually mention this off the top of the podcast, but just some numbers here quickly for you. Tennessee did finish 23-7 and overall, 13-5 and in the SEC. SEC co-champions, number two seed in the tournament, which we did discuss. Uh, Number 13 in the final AP poll of the regular season. Number 12 in the final coaches poll of the regular season. Number 10 in the official RPI standings. Number 14 in the Ken Palm rankings. And uh, number seven strength of schedule. Uh, per Ken Palm to end the regular season. So all of those are very, very good numbers, and that has gotten Tennessee to what I think is a pretty favorable SEC tournament draw when you consider the strength of this league. Uh, They were able to avoid some of those teams that are kind of danger teams for them uh, that were on the top half of that bracket, and and I think really – uh, now watch auburn go win the thing in tennessee not win the thing but i think tennessee at number 2 got a better draw than auburn did at number 1 when you consider uh, the geographical location of these games and when you consider the opponents uh, and the way they match up with tennessee uh, because tennessee what's that really good stat grant against against its half of the bracket
1: they are 7 and 1 and they are 6 and 4 against auburn's half of the bracket I mean, it, it sounds like something the number two seed team says, we got a better draw than the number one seed team. That sounds like the consolation thing. But it, it really is true. I mean, they won seven of eight, and the one they did lose was Arkansas, and that was on December 30th. And we're just, on the road in a really tough place and, to play. And a game they should have won. That was a game that was a lead they gave away late in the final four minutes. So they, they really didn't have any business uh, losing that game the way they did. So, you know, that's, that's three months ago, whatever, two and a half months ago. That's a long time, a lot of basketball ago. Uh, When you look at it, I think uh, the the number seven Mississippi State, number 10 LSU game uh, Wednesday, Thursday night, that's a good draw for Tennessee. Tennessee obviously went to Mississippi State and and beat them pretty handily, 23 points. And that team's kind of going the wrong way. Last week, yeah, they're skidding a lot. Uh, They had to play LSU a couple nights ago, uh, Saturday, and lost by 21 or something in Baton Rouge, so... Uh, Tennessee, I would I would be really stunned. If Tennessee doesn't handle its business Friday night and get to the semifinals. I think once you get there, you're worried about either Arkansas or Florida. Uh, Florida's playing pretty good basketball right now. If you watch them play Kentucky uh, over the weekend, and Arkansas can show up and beat people, yes, uh, because of Daryl Macon and uh, the other guy, Anton Beard, and uh, the the big seven footer freshman, yeah, uh, and big boy, future, I can't what future, his name is, but future but pro. Uh, he blocks about 12 shots a game. He has a really a crazy dunk about every every five minutes in a game, it feels like. But those were the teams I'd be worried about getting to the semifinals and go from there. Arkansas is not, not that good away from home, obviously, uh, as they've shown over the years. Florida's pretty good in a tournament setting, as they've shown over the years. Yep. So uh, worry about those two for Tennessee. But but the good news is if, if you're worrying about those two, you're getting to the semifinal. Uh, you're not going to have to play both of those over the course of the bracket and, and see what happens. But, yeah, they definitely did get the good draw or the better draw. Uh, even if they didn't win the, the number one seed. Yeah, you, you, you
0: talk about just sort of uh, – Rick Barnes has said, and and I think there's some truth to this, that just about any team in this in this tournament could win it. Uh, but when you look at the teams that are most likely outside the top couple seeds maybe to, to go win this tournament, you look at Kentucky because it's Kentucky and because it, it just Kentucky usually does well in this tournament. Let's just call it what it is. And that team's been playing much better basketball lately. Uh, so Tennessee getting on the opposite side of the bracket of that team was big. When you talk about a wild card, there's a couple of them. One, Missouri, which now gets Michael Porter Jr., maybe a top three overall selection in the NBA draft, a guy who's played all of two minutes all year. Now he's back for the tournament, and while you can't imagine that he's going to be at his best, uh, I don't think he would go out there, and I don't think – in fact, I know Conzo Martin wouldn't wouldn't let him out there if he wasn't ready to to play a little bit, and so – you avoid him in Missouri because they're on the other half of the bracket. You wouldn't see them until the championship. So uh, avoiding them, huge. Now one team I will say that that if I'm Tennessee and I did not like seeing in my half of the bracket it is Arkansas because this game Arkansas basketball fans are, are wonderful and they're going to travel. Uh, They always get to Atlanta a little bit. And and for them, getting a chance to be in uh, St. Louis, a, a much shorter drive for them, I think that's something that will appeal to them. I think a lot of them will be there. And I think if that Arkansas team shows up and wins its first game, which would be, I guess, in South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if Arkansas shows up and beats South Carolina, and we'll already know, y'all will already know that score by the time that we release this because we're releasing it Friday morning. But um, so, so, what I'm saying now might end up being stupid. Uh, but if if Arkansas wins that first game, I think Arkansas becomes a very very dangerous team. And, and in fact, I would imagine I'm just going to take a guess that that Arkansas will at least cover and might outright beat Florida the next day. Uh, because if that team gets gets confidence and gets going in that building, uh, I think it's going to be a tough team to beat. Uh, and, and then uh, if you're Tennessee facing that team maybe in the semifinals, uh, you, you just got to hope that the way that team plays up and down, it'll be a little fatigued maybe by that point. Because I think that's a team that I just – if I'm Tennessee, I just did not like seeing in that half of the bracket. And not just because Tennessee lost that team. That was a long time ago, and that was uh, in Arkansas's really tough home building. Uh, any, anytime any time you get Arkansas away from home, it's not quite the same team. A um, little better this year, though. A couple couple nice road wins this year. But uh, I, that's not a game that I would really uh, look forward to playing if I'm Tennessee. And, and in that first game, the only real concern I have for Tennessee is the only real concern that any number one or number two seed that gets a double bye has in a tournament, and that's that you're facing a team that's much more comfortable in that building than you are to start uh, it knows the rims. Uh, it knows the the shooting angles, the the lighting in the arena. Uh, it, that team's had at least a full walkthrough and a couple, one or two games in that building. And if you're Tennessee, you've had a walkthrough, and, and that's it—a brief one. So that is a, a challenge. If you're Tennessee, for sure. That that's that's a challenge. But I, I like you said, Grant. I, I think I, I think I'd take Tennessee to. To, to probably win that first game. And then, hey, just l- let's look at the matchups from then on.
1: I think Tennessee kind of took advantage of the, the being in the building and being there a day early and, and, and winning and, and being a little bit more comfortable two years ago when they, they beat Auburn by like 40 on the first night and then they uh, upset Vanderbilt the second day uh, at the buzzer. I think Wade Baldwin missed a layup or made a layup and it was right after the clock expired, something like that. And they almost – they played pretty well with LSU the next day uh, in the quarterfinal round. But, yeah, just – uh, if they take care of business Friday night, get to Saturday, whatever happens happens. I mean, if if this team goes to Sunday and and plays for a title, that's another uh, really big accomplishment for them. If they don't make it to, if they don't make it out of Friday night, if they don't make it out of Saturday, it, it's not the end of the world. I think this team's still penciled in as a number three seed from here. What, regardless of what happens, I think maybe they, if they won the SEC tournament, obviously something that hasn't been done since 1979. Maybe they they play into a two seed. Uh, one of the lower two seeds, but uh, the long and short of it, it feels like the haze in the barn for this team when it comes to Selection Sunday. Oh yeah, uh, they they they're they're going to get likely a number three seed. It feels like right now, so whatever happens in St. Louis, it's not the end of the world. Uh, just see how they keep playing and if they can keep that momentum going forward.
0: I think if they won the tournament, I'm in that group of people that says they they would might they would have a really good chance to get a two seed if they won that tournament. Um, plus, also if they won that tournament. Uh, You know, there would be uh, cats and dogs and pigs raining from the sky. You know, there would be people walking down the street on fire. It would be the apocalypse, uh, basically. Locusts would be swirling. Uh, Because Tennessee, as we all know... West would be wearing a Cardinals jersey at does post-game press conference. Tennessee, there will be a lot of things in life that will happen. There have been a lot of things in this world that have happened since Tennessee's won the SEC basketball tournament. Lots of presidents... Lots of uh, world events. Several countries exist now that did not exist then. Some countries that did exist then no longer exist. It's been a while since Tennessee has won the SC Basketball Tournament. It hasn't even played, uh, played in the final twice since 1990, I think. And that's just to play in it. So Tennessee's... 2009, right? Yeah, 2009. Mississippi State. No, in Tampa. Yeah, I remember covering that game. And then before that, it had been, what, 1990 or so? Uh, the last time Tennessee played in the final and last last won the tournament, yeah, I think in seventy and last won it in seventy nine. Yep. Uh, so y- y- that's a lot of bad history there. It's been a while. However, there have been few times that Tennessee has go- come into this tournament as one of the teams that a lot of people think could win it. Obviously, the year that they won it outright with Pearl, there was a lot of love for them going into that tournament. Uh, there were other times under Pearl where they they got into that tournament and people thought they had a chance to win it. Um, but this this team this season, when you look at it across the board, just take a look at those SEC awards. And these are the ones handed from the coaches, which I, I got to be honest with you, when you're ranking like a national poll, I like the, the AP better than the coaches because I, I think that, you know, they just – you're able to see more as a coach. You're so tunnel-focused on just who you're playing and that week and, and all that. But when you're talking about something like a basketball all-conference team, You've seen every single team, if you're a coach there, once or twice. You've studied film ad nauseum. You know these teams inside and out. So I put a lot of stock in what these coaches vote on. And Tennessee dominated the All-SEC Coaches Awards. There was, I mean, you had Grant Williams pulling a mild upset probably. Not a, not a shocker, but a mild upset to win SEC Player of the Year uh, Rick Barnes, as a lot of us expected, wins Coach of the Year. Doesn't share it with Pearl, just wins it outright. And, and then uh, Tennessee's basketball Twitter account trolled Pearl a little bit with uh, Barnes and the sunglasses, and that was one of the social media highlights of the week. Uh, you get Lamonte Turner winning SEC Sixth Man of the Year, and you get uh, Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams both on the all-SEC team. Williams on the first team, Schofield on the second team. So Tennessee right there across the board just kind of dominated those individual awards and if you got okay you got the player of the year you got the coach of the year you got the six man of the year you got two all-league players yeah you, people are going to pick you to, some people are going to pick you to win that tournament
1: i mean the, the the award stuff it's it's been a season of unexpected stuff that was as unexpected yeah. as as just about anything I, w- I did not expect grant williams to win player of the year uh, just based on stats how much people go by points per game and all that stuff he wasn't the he didn't lead the league or he wasn't really top Two or top three in the league scoring. So that was really surprising that, to me that he got player of the year. I, I was expecting first team on SEC. I was not expecting player of the year. Rick Barnes, obviously, it was going to be Barnes or Pearl. I wasn't really that shocked that it was Barnes. I was, was kind of surprised that Lamonte Turner got co six man of the year. Uh, I knew his stats were really, really good. Uh, but but them doing and that. And Tennessee
0: lobbied hard for that, too. So yeah. so that was that, – that was Even if Rick didn't lobby for it during yeah. a press conference. Uh, uh, other, yeah, others in the program were doing some lobbying for that
1: one. But uh, – I mean, those awards are, are a lot like the season where it's it's pretty shocking that, that this has played out the way it has, that Tennessee's sitting here in this situation, entering the SEC tournament as a number two seed. And that's why it makes it so hard to to predict what this team is going to do. It it still feels like this team could could lose to LSU Friday night, and, and it wouldn't be the biggest shocker in the world, or they could play to Sunday and possibly win the tournament, and it wouldn't be the biggest shocker in the world, kind of like we've talked about with March, uh, with, the, with the actual NCAA tournament. It feels like they could – they could struggle with a, a a 14 seed whatever it is they're going to be playing uh, or they could make an elite eight run uh, it's just so hard to to figure out this team but you it's 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 that much harder when you can't go by the the history i mean Tennessee's been awful historically in the scc tournament but this team has bucked a lot of trends i mean they 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 won it Rupp for the first time in a decade they've they went what 13 and 5 in the SEC and won a share of the scc title for the first time in a decade they they're really good away from home. They're, they were really good in the non-conference. They, they've played with a lot of uh, a lot of really good basketball teams that you know they probably should have beat. They should have beat North Carolina. They were up 15 at the half against Villanova. So all that stuff makes this week and next week so unpredictable. And it's I don't I don't even know where to start. Yeah, it it, it here's where I am on this. It, it's I, I know that.
0: Just speaking of the SEC tournament first, even though it doesn't really matter a ton in the grand scheme of things, how I feel about the SEC tournament is how I sort of felt about Tennessee and Florida and football. I'm almost going to have to see it before I can predict that it's a possibility because I, just, I have covered this thing so many times. And I've covered this thing on several occasions when Tennessee was expected to be a contender for the thing and did not win it. So – I guess it's hard not to be a little bit skeptical about the SEC, SEC tournament. And I imagine in their heart of hearts, a lot of Tennessee fans are too, even if they don't want to admit it. And I think many will admit it, but I think some sort of will know it but won't admit it to themselves that you just never really feel that good when Tennessee's playing in an SEC, SEC tournament. It's not like you're looking at a at a tiny little sliver of history. You're looking at a lot of failure. You're looking at a lot of ineptitude. You're looking at a lot of interesting ways to lose – basketball games and and here's one thing that I thought was really really interesting every year uh, one of the ESPN's analysts does this list of teams who does the like this full statistical breakdown of all 353 teams in college basketball 354 teams in division one and says here are the teams that can win the title here are teams that almost can but just just can't and here are a list of teams who have no chance And this season, I was interested going into that because I was looking forward to that piece this season because I wanted to see whether Tennessee would be at the bottom of the list of teams who could win it or, you know, in that list of teams that could not win it. And Tennessee ended up being on the list of teams that could not win it. It was in the near-miss category. There were eight teams that that this writer predicted could win. It's John Gassaway, could win the tournament. There were, I believe, 18, 19 teams that were near-misses that probably could not win the tournament, and here's why. And then there were like 320 just or 330 no-chancers. And the reason why Tennessee – Tennessee was such an interesting case because there were so many reasons to think why this Tennessee team could be in that conversation. One, uh, it's really good away from home. Uh two, I mean, relative to what most teams in college basketball are away from home. Tennessee beat Purdue on a neutral floor, has been really good on the road, one at Rup, one in some at Iowa State, which before you laugh at that, look at how, how many other teams went in there and lost this season. Tennessee's been a good team away from home. And, and also defensive efficiency, defense travels. And when you put those things together, you think, okay, this team finds different ways to win, it gets balanced scoring there's a lot of reasons to think why this team could put together a special run. But here there was one reason and one reason alone why John Gassaway said Tennessee could not win it. And it was a really good reason. Actually, it's a really compelling reason. I don't know that I still would not put Tennessee in that first category as opposed to that near miss category. But the reason he puts Tennessee in that near miss category is what we alluded to earlier. Tennessee is an SEC play, which is 18 games. Tennessee, cumulative effort over 18 games in SEC play. Opponents shot better from two than Tennessee did. Barely, but did. And Tennessee was in the bottom half of the league in uh, SEC in two-point offense and two-point defense. And I think his argument there is pretty, pretty simple one. When you're playing in the, in the, in the, in the postseason, uh, usually you're playing in bigger arenas. You're playing in arenas that, that the shot lines are a little bit different. Uh, a lot of teams just don't shoot very well in the postseason. It comes down to, to two point offense and two point defense because there's all those nerves, new arena, big stage. It's the closer you get to the basket, to the better. go home. Yeah, the better you. The closer you get to the basket, the better you feel, and you, you have nerves and all all those things. So teams that can do really well from two and can stop two usually do pretty well. This Tennessee team ha- has not really been great at that despite being seventh nationally i believe uh it may be even higher than that i've said seventh a couple times let me make sure about that uh in, in defensive efficiency hey,
1: we're fourth on ken palm earlier this week yeah uh, adjusted defensive efficiency
0: no you're still right yeah the reason the number seven i, I wrote that down wrong i'm an idiot number seven was um the uh the strength of schedule. So fourth nationally, fourth nationally in defici- defensive efficiency. So you would look at that and go, okay, well, that offense has kind of trailed off a little bit. It was top 30 in efficiency. Now it's at 47. Um, usually a team that's going to win is going to be top 20, top 30 in both uh, of those categories or top 30 in both. Tennessee has fallen out of the top 30 in adjusted offense. And Rick Barnes was right when he said that offense had had not been good for a little bit and defense had been winning games. But that defense is not as good from two as it is from three, and the offense is not as good from two as it is from three, and the argument there from from uh, ESPN's uh, John Gasaway was was simple, and and I think it makes sense, but the thing that I can't figure out is how do you how do you balance that with the fact that this team's been so good away from home? How do you balance that with the fact that this team has a lot of, if not great, really good players, and a lot of guys who can beat you on a different night and it just finds different ways to win games it makes free throws uh, i think 77 percent or so in sec play which is fantastic uh, near the top of the league this team does a lot of good things
1: yeah you you have to weigh what it does good against what it does bad like we talked about earlier they do get to the foul and you do hit a lot of threes uh, if you go through tennessee's game notes uh, there's a there's a section on uh, wins versus losses i think in wins they give up about 63 points a game in losses they give up 79 points a game, which obviously is a huge difference. Uh, If you get that defensive effort night in and night out, you're going to be a pretty good road team. Uh, The nights that you don't get it, uh, the nights like Georgia and Alabama, you're not going to be a good road team. Uh, There's another stat where uh, Jordan Bowden, I think he shoots like 10% or 15% better or maybe averages eight or nine more points a game in wins versus losses. Uh, That's because this team kind of lives and dies by the three sometimes. If if there's a guard – it uh, doesn't really have to be just Jordan Bowden. If there's a guard that steps up and, and kind of carries a load uh, from a production standpoint, from hitting shots from the outside, if it's Lamonte Turner, Bowden, whoever, that's a difference maker. So uh, it's concerning, sure, that, that uh, the other team is going to shoot 2% better, uh, shoot better from two-point uh, from two point range, percentage-wise better than Tennessee does. Uh, when you go into March Madness and it's it's the one and done, and, and if, if you don't win, obviously you're going home, That's that's a concern, but... Uh, if Tennessee can keep the defensive effort going, I mean, they, they gave up 59.3 points per game over those last four uh, games of the regular season to help win the title. Uh, if they keep that going, if that momentum keeps moving forward, I think they'll be fine. Uh, if if they have a night where they don't show up, it's probably not going to go well like like you've seen some in the SEC. Before we get out of here, a couple things, Grant. One, how
0: where do you stand on how important th- this SEC tournament is for Tennessee? And, and Let's couch that by saying, or or let's 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 balance that by saying that everyone knows that the the NCAA tournament is what matters. Uh, So, so my question here is, you know, what you're playing for. If you're a bubble team or a team that has no chance, then this is this is a huge week for you. But if not, if you're Tennessee, it's not one. And and Rick Barnes himself admitted, and and this is not like him, uh, you know, but he is candid, so it's not shocking. But he did say that. You know he he's been coach he's coached some teams that had really long conference tournament runs and it hurt them in the postseason. You know he talked about when he was at Providence uh, they they won the Big East tournament which if you're Providence that's a huge deal that's a big time deal going to the Garden and winning that old uh, Big East tournament which got R I P Big East when you were actually when you were.
1: Probably still the yeah. best conference tournament, even though it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, just... Uh, the memories of it are so good. Yeah, focused. it's
0: just always, every year, just you couldn't you could not not watch it. It was great. And, and Providence won that thing and then ended up, uh, they, they had to have basically almost like a parade when they came back to, to Rhode Island. It was such a huge deal. And then they played poorly and lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, then when one year he was at Texas, uh, they were a number two seed and the tournament was in Dallas. So that you, of course, Texas number two seed in Dallas, you're thinking that Big Twelve tournament's going to the Longhorns, and then lo and behold, a new, a different Texas team, Bobby Knight's Texas Tech Red Raiders, shocked Barnes' uh, second seeded Longhorns uh, on in Texas's first game in the tournament, and then Bobby Knight shook Barnes' hand after the game and said, "Oh, this is going to help you now go in a national title," and that was the year Barnes took Texas to the Final Four. So. for Barnes to sit there and go, you know, I want to win every game I coach in, but, you know, he like, you know, dagum! It sometimes it's better to go lose in that game and, and then go play, you know, get rested and get ready for the tournament because you got travel, you got all kinds of wacky things going on. You don't know where you're going to be. Sometimes it's better to be home.
1: Yeah, I think it's important for Tennessee. Obviously, these weeks are more important than for uh, for the bubble teams than anybody. Uh you can play yourself into yeah. the tournament, you can play yourself out of the tournament. Obviously that doesn't apply to Tennessee uh this time around. What what does apply to Tennessee if they do get to Sunday, if they do play for a, a championship, if they if they have to beat, you know, Florida, Kentucky along the way, whatever they could play themselves into a two seed uh or if they don't even if they get to Sunday and they don't win it, maybe they play themselves a little bit higher on that number three seed line and they get a little bit better geographical draw when it comes to uh, the NCAA tournament, uh, maybe being in Nashville or Charlotte or Pittsburgh opposed to San Diego or Boise, uh, something like that. I think that's that, That's where they can help themselves. I think you want to keep playing a good brand of basketball just to keep that momentum headed in the right direction. If if you do lose, you want it to be a very competitive loss and not something that happened at Alabama or not something that happened at Georgia where the game's in the balance in the final seven minutes and and you just really get out-tuffed. And because I think if that happens, maybe some doubt creeps in between this week and next for this team, or, or maybe you know psychologically that hurts you a little bit. Uh, but otherwise, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, I don't think the, sky's, the sky wasn't falling when they started 0-2 in the SEC. The sky wasn't falling when they lost in Tuscaloosa by almost like 30. Uh, the sky wasn't falling when Georgia uh, beat them up in the final few minutes of that game, so... Uh, whatever happens, you know, life goes on next week and, and they get to the real games, the games that really, really matter, uh, and they can go from there. But uh, you're, you're playing for momentum and you're playing for maybe a little bit of seed. So there is importance in that, but it's not going to be the end of the world. Yeah, uh, I, I, I go back and forth on this. I think if you're Tennessee, there's
0: value in, in winning this thing. But you're also getting back late Sunday night if you win it or if you even play. I mean, the worst-case scenario, I think the worst-case scenario is playing Sunday and losing because then you're angry about that. Then you're, you know, the, the last – it's like you the last taste in your mouth from St. Louis is bad, and you had to stay there two days longer to get that bad mm-hmm. taste. So, And I don't think getting to the final and losing it moves Tennessee's seed line. I, I really don't. I might be wrong about that. The committee shocks all of us from time to time, but I think Tennessee is probably a three seed uh, unless it, Tennessee wins that thing. And I think if Tennessee loses in the first game, it still probably is a three seed. I think they need to
1: win it, and they need to beat like a Kentucky in the final to, to get bumped up a full to the number two.
0: Well, if they beat Auburn, that would be a big RPI win.
1: That's true. But I, I still think even if they they do, they can help themselves on that number three seed line. Yes, if they do get to Sunday, oh, they, absolutely, they, they could be a, a number uh, one of the top two, three seeds, opposed to uh, number three or number four.
0: And sometimes, if you have a lower seed but you're closer to home and get a better draw, it's actually better. So the whole thing, I mean, you know, where you're seated is, is one thing, but the the draw you've got. Like I think the the latest Lenardi bracketology draw, you know, Tennessee fans would would take that one. I think they'd be okay with that uh, because there have been others out there that have been a lot tougher. So uh, it, it really all depends you know I I mean it's I I can't really I can't really make up my mind on how important it is but I'll tell you this it's not a big deal it's not huge I mean I'm debating on whether in my mind about whether or not it's even important but it's not huge there's no question about that before we get out of here Grant what do you what do you think will will happen this week what what's your Thought and I know that you know who Tennessee matches up with in that first game or second game could change the entire prediction. But what's your kind of feeling on where this team is and and, and where what kind of week it will have?
1: Uh, I think they're 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 in a good spot, obviously uh, with the way they've been playing. Uh, I think they'll they'll have a good Friday night, uh, and I think they'll probably I don't know it feels like they'll lose Saturday maybe. Uh, I would be really kind of surprised if they got to Sunday just based on the the tournament history that that we've been talking about. Even though this team uh, has kind of defied a lot of uh, its history, uh, if you, if you get to Florida, that's a team that's playing really well on Saturday. If if they lose a game like that, obviously, like we just talked about, not the end of the world. Uh, but if they do get to Sunday, if they do play for a championship, it's a it's another feather in the cap for this team and and all the stuff they've done uh, for the entire season. But Regardless, like you said, it's not it's not that huge of a deal either way because you are in the NCAA tournament. You're a top three seed in all likelihood, which is insane. If you sat here and talked about this in November, like Tennessee would be a number three seed and, and winning a share of the regular season title. So, uh, what happens happens in St. Louis, and and they'll adjust and and go from there. It's just uh, you want to keep playing a good brand of basketball, uh, win or lose, and try to carry some momentum into next week.
0: Yeah. I, I- I've gone back and forth on this. I I think that ultimately, I think because of what this team has done, I think this team has a good chance to get to Sunday. And I know that you're going to sound shocked hearing that sort of positivity from me, but uh, I just I I think this team has been able to kind of cut against the grain all season long. And even though you know that first game even is just a little bit worrisome. I think Tennessee will find a way to get to Sunday. And what happens then, I mean, if you're playing, you know, Kentucky in that building, it's always a tough game. If you're playing Missouri in that building, it's a tough game. You know, there's a lot of – and there's there's some potential for for, for some, some craziness all over the board in this tournament. But I just kind of think, for me, I think the best case scenario for Tennessee is getting – is winning this thing and beating Auburn to get that so they can say, okay, now now we really feel like we're the champions of this league, won the regular season, beat the other, beat the co-champion in the tournament championship game. So you'll feel like you're really – anything, any of those feelings about having to share the title to a team that beat you in the regular season, all that melts away if you do that. That's the best-case scenario. But uh, but if you're – I think my gut tells me Tennessee gets to Sunday and then doesn't win that game. That That's – now we'll get in the car here in a little bit, and we'll start driving to St. Louis, and we'll have several hours to talk about this. And I'll probably talk myself into saying, "Oh, they might get shocked in that first one." I don't know, guys. I don't know. But as we're sitting here, I mean,
1: you gave him problems for about twenty-five minutes. Yes, in Knoxville.
0: Yes, and that's a team that plays a havoc style. That if they get get up, if they're able to to be a little deeper and get up and down the floor a little bit better and hit some threes, Just I mean,
1: planting those seeds of doubt right now.
0: You know, that's 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 what it's going to be. It's going to be us, you planting seeds of doubt, and us. Uh, Googling uh, the best donut shops along the route. That's probably gonna be what it is. So, Grant, your final prediction is uh, getting f- losing in the semis. Is that what?
1: You- I, 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 I'm kind of worried about Florida and Saturday, and I think that could be a likely scenario. But if they get to Sunday, hey, I'll be glad to admit I was wrong.
0: I'm gonna say getting. I'm gonna say getting to
1: getting to Sunday, and then if it gets what, to Sunday to Auburn, uh, the storylines are gonna be incredible.
0: Hey, I wouldn't mind them. Hey, if they go one and done, and we get a couple days at home before going to the tournament, I'm I'm fine with that.
1: Bruce against his old team if they get to Sunday. Auburn fans mad about how Auburn got disrespected in the awards, postseason awards.
0: Oh, and now you'll have them circling the wagons, oh, yeah. being
1: co-champs versus co-champs.
0: And Then St. Tennessee got all the awards. What about us? Yeah, that could be. So it.
1: I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate that having that would be a really really fun weekend.
0: It could. Hopefully, it'll be a fun week. Uh, because the SEC tournament is in the Midwest, and that's stupid. But regardless, we'll go cover it. It'll be a good time, and we'll see y'all next week. We'll have another uh, hoops podcast previewing the NCAA tournament. We will have a football podcast talking about the uh, the defense for Tennessee going into spring practice under Jeremy Pruitt. We got a lot to talk about. Thanks for listening. And before we get out of here, guys, last thing: www.etch.com/slash D-W-T-K-S Go check it out. You don't have to pay for a ticket. You can just go there and donate a couple bucks.
1: Raise money for sick kids. Yes.
0: It's not about me dancing. I'm making jokes about me dancing. It's about the sick kids. Come on. Help us out. Grant, any final thoughts?
1: Raise money. Give money for the sick kids. I'll give money out of my pocket right now. Oh, he did did have a thought.